Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. In all of the New Testament, the writings of the Apostle John are perhaps the most striking. They are also the most mysterious, because more than any of the other New Testament books, John's Gospel, Epistles, and his concluding book, Revelation, unveil to us many of the divine and mystical things. His books are mysterious because they focus not on historical facts or on doctrine or teachings, but rather on the divine and mystical realm, revealing Christ as the very divine life available for us to receive and experience day by day. Today brings us to the first program in the life study of the Epistles of John, and we'll have a marvelous overview today of some of the great and divine mysteries in all of his writings. And uh, here to help us through this beginning stage of our journey through the epistles of John Francis Ball. Francis, I picked up this term purposely, divine and mystical realm, although we won't hear it in Witnessly speaking. In these life studies on First John, I know later on in his ministry, he liked this phrase, didn't he? Divine and mystical realm, and it certainly does apply to the epistles of John. Yes, I would say probably it applies to the epistles of John more than any other writer of the New Testament. The divine and mystical realm is something that we need not only to hear, but we need to experience. I would say we need to see and experience and even declare it so that we may know what this realm is, where we get the reality of so many things that the epistles of John open up to us. You and I were visiting just before uh, we started recording here about how marvelous the Bible is in its composition, how incredibly uh, God's wisdom is shown, even as he selected the different writers and the way that they illuminated aspects of the divine revelation. And I think any of our listeners who have been with us for some time realize how much value we place on the Apostle Paul's contribution to the New Testament and his writings probably the deepest in terms of the truth are in Paul's writings. But John, uh, revealing to us the divine life, this is really the basis and the foundation for all of even the higher truths, isn't it? That's right. If we didn't have John's writings, we would hardly know the realm in which Paul is writing. Yeah. Because he's enlarging and searching deeper into some of the basic things that are opened up by John. In Paul's epistles, I'm thinking of a a verse early on in Ephesians, one of the very highest books in the New Testament, and he begins by saying he's praying that we would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I think that's an appropriate prayer as we begin to handle these books, isn't it? Yes, it is. We need a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, let's go ahead and uh, join Witness Lee. He's going to today give us a kind of an overview, a bird's eye view, I would say, of some of the divine revelations, the mysterious revelations that John uh, is occupied with in all of his writings. Let's pick up the very first verses from 1 John, the specific epistle. Before we're done today, we'll touch verses in the Gospel of John and also in Revelation. But in 1 John 1, 1, 1, 2, and 1, 3, it says, "...that which was from the beginning..." which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we beheld and our hands handled concerning the word of life. 
and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and report to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we report also to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Wow, a wonderful, mysterious beginning, isn't it? It certainly is. Some of these words are so very deep and yet so real and are able to be handled. Right. He said they heard and seen with their eyes and handled with their hands. That means that they knew the Lord in his incarnation, and also they knew him as life, and something much deeper than we've seen, I think, in all of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Well, surely uh, the matter of the divine life of God is mysterious, but I think John's burden, it becomes clear, was not to leave it so mysterious, but rather, as you said, to bring it down where we could see it, hear it, and enter into the very appreciation and experience of it day by day. And that's really where we're hopefully headed in all of these programs. All right, here's Witness Lee with our first segment today. All John's writings, his gospel, his three epistles, and his revelation, do occupy a particular, a very striking place in the entire revelation. John's writings are altogether the revelation of the divine things. I would stress these two words, revelation and divine. The entire Bible was not written by human mentality. It was altogether the divine revelation written in human language, especially John's writings. No human mentality can guess what John's writings unveil to us. It's altogether far, far beyond our human apprehension. These five books are too, too divine. So, you need much prayer, and you have to trust the indwelling spirit that he may give you a revelation. Amen. The revelation to see the things, and also the wisdom to grasp all the things you would see in your spirit. Amen. We know anything that concerns God and that belongs to God is divine. And anything that is divine is mysterious. How could we, human beings, grasp God? No possibility. But thank him that he did create us a spirit. And in his salvation, he did regenerate our spirit. And he did impart his divine life into our spirit. And he did give us himself as the indwelling spirit within our spirit. So I must stress this one thing. Our human mentality is just not qualified. No. We have to turn to this mingled spirit and pray.
Francis, is very interesting. He says the writings of John and really the, the entire Bible, they use human language or the Bible uses human language, but not human mentality. And then he went on to bring us back to a very basic item. And no doubt as we touch things mysterious and divine like we are about to in this book, we all have to be brought back to this matter of our spirit and the fact that it is not just our spirit, but it's um, spirit mingled with his spirit. Yes, and I believe that's the reason he said we need to pray. We need to learn to exercise our spirit with his spirit in our spirit to understand these divine and mystical things. Why is our spirit the key to laying hold and apprehending the points that we're going to see in a book like First John? God's Word is spirit and life. And without our spirit, we don't have a way to receive God speaking, God's Word. We may read the words. They will be clear to us, but they will not be experiential to us without the exercise of our spirit. I felt like so many times in my past... I read the Bible, I went to meetings, I even went to a Bible school, and I was receiving the words without the exercise of my spirit. Therefore, I never got the reality to bring me into the rich fellowship of the divine and mystical realm. But when I learned that I have a spirit, then I found out the way to receive God's word is by means of prayer outwardly and the exercise of my spirit inwardly. Of course, there is a mutual cooperation or engagement, I should say. I'm not sure quite the right word. Between our mind and our spirit, the spirit uses our mentality to illuminate and bring things into understanding. But the point is where we start and what the source is of our reading and our understanding or approach to the word. And this is where the spirit becomes crucial, isn't it? Yes, it is. Without a realization and a conscious application of our spirit in coming to God's Word, we will be partially at least in the dark because our spirit is necessary to receive a spiritual reality. Of course, jumping ahead to um, John's final book, Revelation, right at the beginning, he says, I was in spirit on the Lord's Day, and I turned and saw. And then, of course, all of the uh, book of Revelation comes forth. But he there again underscores the importance of being in spirit as we uh, come to these things. Right. Francis, let's go back to Witness Lee. As I mentioned earlier, uh, he will now somewhat give us an overview of not just First John, but even of many of uh, John's writings, including his gospel. And it also starts out mysteriously at the very first verse, first chapter of the gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 4 in chapter 1. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And verse 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Altogether mysterious. Yes, that is altogether mysterious, and I believe Brother Lee's speaking will shine a lot of light on this. All right, let's get to him for that. Without John's writings, the entire Bible is short of something. Without the Gospel of John, surely we can only realize that the Lord Jesus was a man. If we only have the first three synaptic Gospels, we could only see his humanity. We can never see his divinity. Could you believe 
that there could be such a writing telling you here's one who is the eternal word and who is the very God and in whom is life and his life is the light and he became flesh and he was a tabernacle when you get to this tabernacle you receive grace and truth and enjoy his glory and eventually you'll find out my such a one wonderful one he is just a little lamb a small lamb is this human writing? no no is this religious? no moral? ethical? philosophical? you have to say no 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 this is the revelation which is altogether divine. This is the very purpose of John's writings. It supplements the Gospels, not only so, also the epistles. I tell you, I studied Paul's writings, altogether 14 epistles, and I studied Peter's writings. I studied all these, and I have written the note on all these books. But if I don't have the epistles of John, I would cry. Not only so, if there's no revelation at the end of the Bible, what kind of Bible this would be? Right? It's short of something. It completes the Bible, it completes the epistles, and it completes the Gospels. Hallelujah. Francis, we have in the writings of John, Christ revealed as the Word of God, as the eternal life of God, as the very one in whom is life, and as the divine light, and even as the one who became flesh to become the eternal tabernacle. And when we come to the eternal tabernacle, we receive grace and reality, or grace and truth. Is there a way to describe what we're hearing in terms of the vastness and the profoundness and the depth of uh, the riches that are presented here? Well, I certainly have been brought to appreciate John's writings, both divine and full of revelation. And to know these things in an experiential way, he has made it so available to us by pointing out that we must be a person who exercises our spirit. In order to see the spiritual divine things, we need a spirit. And God created us with such an organ that we could receive his revelation and all these points that you've just mentioned, what he is to us, what Christ is to us. He is life. He is light. He's even our fellowship. Yeah. And he brings us into another realm. And John actually brings us into this realm, which is both mystical and uh, spiritual, and beyond our natural comprehension. But when he reveals it to us, he says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. So, Chris, I believe we're brought into the fellowship with the apostles, particularly with the apostle John, when we get into these kind of matters of what's revealed to him for us, both in his gospel and in the three epistles that he wrote, and in the book of Revelation. I want to get to the matter of fellowship. That's uh, really the topic for our third segment. But before we make that transition, 
a point he made at the very beginning here of this last portion we listened to, that without the gospel of John, in other words, if we just have the three, and you went to Bible school so you could maybe explain this term, we hear it a lot uh, to our listeners, the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, without John, if we just had those three gospels, we would very likely miss the divinity of Christ and see only the humanity of Christ. And it's the humanity and how Christ lived his life out that were really the focus of those three other Gospels, right? The synoptic Gospel simply means that they are seen together. So John is decidedly different in his approach in bringing out the Gospel and the humanity and the divinity of Christ in a way that the other Gospels leave us wanting. They lack something of realizing the divinity of Christ. But once we see John's writings, then all the others come into focus. So we realize he did become a man, but he was also God. And his truth is divine, mystical, and very precious. So when we come to the Gospel of John or the writings of John, if we are there looking for all the great historical accounts, ethical, moral, philosophical teachings, or even great doctrine and truth, uh, certainly truth is there. But these are not the main burden or focus of John's writings, are they? That's right. Even the miracles that are in writing of the Gospel of John are much deeper than the miracles that are recorded in the others and has more to do with life. Right. Well, life, that is the key underlying primary matter in all of John's writings, whether it's his gospel, the epistles, or the book of Revelation. You mentioned fellowship, and fellowship is related to life very much. Uh, We're going to pick up verse 227 in 1 John, and a verse from chapter 3 in this last segment, as Witness Lee introduces the matter of the fellowship of life. In 1 John 2.27, it says, As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone teach you, but as his anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, even as it has taught you, abide in him. And chapter 3, verse 9, everyone who has been begotten of God does not practice sin because his seed abides in him, and he cannot sin because he has been begotten of God. Two very deep matters here in these two verses, and we're going to get a, a viral treat, I think, in how Witness Lee introduces them. Oh, eternal life, we report to you. In what book can you find such an expression? And the life produces a kind of fellowship. We report to you this life. You have a kind of issue. That is the fellowship of this life. These two things, divine life with its divine fellowship. Then his anointing. What is this? This is not philosophy. This is his anointing. Teaches you concerning all things. And as he taught you, abide in him. What is this? It's marvelous. I have a divine anointing teaching me all the time. And what I need is just to abide in him. Then everyone, including you and me, who has been begotten of God. I like this term, begotten of God. We are not begotten of a dog or cat, right? We have been begotten of man, but now we have been begotten of God. Maya. 
Do you know? To be begotten of anything, and that can beget you, makes you that thing. Everyone who has been begotten of God does not practice sin. Everyone who has been begotten of dog does not practice mouse catching. <laughs> if here is a little creature all the day practicing mouse catching, that is not a dog. <laughs> that is a cat. If you still practice sin, <laughs> this indicates what? You are not a child of God. Because his seed, whose seed? God's seed. What is this? God's seed. What is this? It's wonderful. This is the revelation. That's why. God's seed abides in us. Amen. Don't we have the sensation? Amen. There's something within us, living, organic, Amen. sprouting, Amen. growing, Amen. moving. God becomes a life seed in you. And this seed sprouts and grows. And what? Blossoms. And what? Bears fruit. This seed never practices sin because this seed is nothing less than God himself. Francis, 1 John 3, 9, I think one of the most mysterious, misunderstood verses in the Bible. We just heard him expound it in a marvelous way. Everyone who has been begotten of God does not practice sin. And uh, those who come from the oh, the uh, understanding that we typically refer to as the Armenian approach, meaning you can lose your salvation or salvation is not a sure thing, often point to this verse saying that, uh, well, here's one who sinned, therefore he's not begotten of God. But with the revelation of life that we see in John's writings, we understand that's not what this verse is saying, is it? No, that is true, that it's not what this verse is saying, because other verses would be a contradiction to that. But when you put them all together, especially in John's writings, you see that life is imparted, and this life is a divine life. This life is a divine seed put into the spirit of the believer. And therefore, he has the kind of life that has a nature not to sin. But that doesn't mean that there's not an occasional falling away, making mistakes, and things of this kind that we would consider sin. But that's not the nature of the life we have in us. The nature of the life we have in us is divine. This divine nature does not practice sin. So as participants in the divine nature of God, we do not make a practice of sinning. Wow. Uh, We've got a little bit of time left. Let's also try to touch, if we can, this matter of the fellowship. This is not the kind of fellowship that we normally uh, associate with the so-called fellowship we have at the end of the church meeting where we may gather around the tea kettle and the (laughs) coffee pot and the the, uh, tray full of cookies, is it? (laughs) No. Our fellowship is in the Spirit. Without the exercise of the Spirit, we may have a good human relationship and a lot of conversation, but fellowship is according to this divine life that's in us, which is the anointing that he mentioned earlier. We have the anointing, and it teaches us all things, even teaches us how to fellowship. So if we're living in this anointing, by, by that I mean we're living according to our spirit, 
then we know all things. That doesn't mean we're cognizant of everything that we can describe it, but it means this anointing really teaches how to speak, how to fellowship, how to walk, how to talk, Mm. how to be. By living in the Spirit, we have this kind of fellowship with God and with one another. Well, speaking of uh, trays of uh, goodies, I think we had a kind of a a tray of appetizers today. We touched uh, a lot of the deep, high, mysterious uh, things that require revelation and the exercise of our spirit uh, to enter into. But uh, in the weeks uh, ahead, as we get into these life studies from the epistles of John, we'll really see all of these matters develop, won't we? I'd like to encourage all of our listeners to keep tuning in to get these further life studies. And if you'd like to get the printed life study of uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, plus the book of Jude, call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And for Francis Ball, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening, and please join us again tomorrow. Millions of Christians have been strengthened in their faith through the ministry of Watchman Nee. In a recent release by Living Stream Ministry entitled The Overcoming Life, Watchman Nee sounds a call to the believers to pursue the normal Christian life that is hidden with God in Christ. The Overcoming Life is filled with truth, reverberates with hope, and brings the reader to renewed consecration. The Overcoming Life by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.